Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Here we are another week. Another week. Yeah. And a different topic this time. Yeah, fun one. Yeah, we get to chat about a question that Lucas sent us in. For those of you, please send in your questions. We'd love to help you guys as we can. Of course, we want everyone to be financially literate so we can end the show. I think we're getting there a little bit more each week. Yeah, I think we're at least halfway. Yeah, and if you enjoy the show or if you've ever found any piece of knowledge that was helpful, please just take a minute to leave a review. Your reviews help more people find us, which helps everyone become financially literate. So you're basically helping society while you leave a review. It's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so this question this week is from Lucas. Lucas, thank you for writing in. And it goes, hey guys, really enjoy the podcast. So much valuable knowledge. I was wondering if you could talk about the career path of a financial planner, more specifically a CFP, that's Certified Financial Planner, who is an, at an independent RIA, that means Registered Investment Advisor. I am a college student studying finance, looking to become a CFP, There seems to be many paths to take, and it is a little confusing. Any tips on how to get valuable experience through summer internships or part-time work in school? Any insight is much appreciated. Thank you for all you guys do. Awesome. Thanks for the question. Yeah, a fun question. Yeah. We haven't talked about this. uh, No, we haven't talked about this before, I don't think. No, I wish I'd had this question (laughs) when I was getting started. How do you find a good financial planner, not how do you become a good financial planner? So Mm this will be interesting. Yeah. Well, and of course, we have our own opinion, and they are our opinions that we hold firmly, but loosely all at the same time, so we'll share them along the way. Let's share. How did you get into I don't even know how. You started, well, kind of I, I got lucky. I was studying corporate finance at University of Colorado, mm-hmm. and you know, got to the, I was wrapping up. I should be a doctor, technically. My wife likes to remind me. It took me six years to get through undergrad. Yeah. I had a lot of ski days. After that, I went and got a CFA, which is a different bear for a different day. But while we were there, it was about time to be done with school. And I was like, oh man, I should go see who's offering jobs and what's going on. And Fisher Investments, who's a registered investment advisor, was recruiting on campus. Mm -hmm. And so I was recruited into a sales role as an account executive right out of school into the RIA side of things, which for you listeners, there's two different, mainly two different styles of financial advisor you can work with. There are advisors through the Registered Investment Advisor channel. Now they're operating under the Securities Act of 1940. And basically it says like, hey, you have to be a true advisor for your clients. You have to act as a fiduciary. You have to put their interests before yours. And that's how James and I have set up our businesses. The other way that you can be an advisor is through what's called the 1933 and 34 Securities Acts. All this comes out of the Depression, by the way. Mm -hmm. Hasn't really been updated a whole lot since. And basically that says like, hey, you can go sell stuff to people. Basically, that's where like stockbrokers come from, insurance brokers and the like. And you can sell products to people. You don't have to hold yourself to the same level of rigor as you do being a registered investment advisor. I think that's the simplest way to break it down. Is there anything you'd add? 
No, I think that's the simplest way. It's still very confusing because it's just it's a confusing industry. Like people have no idea what's the difference. Like it just looks like a bunch of financial advisors on the outside, which makes it very confusing for the consumer. But yeah, there is a big difference between. Exactly. And it is sad that it has to be this difficult. I wish it wasn't this difficult. But you know, one of the way to think of it is from the sales perspective, someone has to sell you a suit that fits you, but it doesn't have to look good on you. On the RIA side, we're going to sell you a suit that looks good on you and fits you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like We want to make sure it's the right thing for you specifically. Yeah. I think that's a simple way to think of it. But that's how I got into the business. And then from there, I moved down and worked for a small boutique firm where we kind of helped mainly invest money, but also did financial planning work for a lot of clients. And then I started my own firm. Yeah. Awesome. How many years ago did you get into the business with Fisher? It was 2006. Six. Okay. A long time ago now. So what, 15, 16 years? Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Yeah. So along the way, I got my CFP, Certified Financial Planner credential. Mm -hmm. And then I also, before that, I earned my CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst designation. The Chartered Financial Analyst designation is kind of, I would think of it as like a foot wide and a mile deep. It is all about investments all the time, where the CFP is like a foot deep and a mile wide. Mm-hmm. It's really broad general planning knowledge for things you're going to help families with in our business. Right. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to even see how people, so you own your firm, I own my firm. It's kind of interesting to see that career path because almost everyone's very different in terms of how they got to where they are today yeah. because it's an industry where there, there are a whole bunch of different paths to get to where you want to go. And I think a lot of people don't maybe don't even know exactly where they want to go, but they know they want to be in the industry. Totally. And we can chat through, where do you start with that? Well, what was your path to get to where you were too? Well, also very lucky. Like this wasn't something I, I love what I do. Yeah. I think this is the best job in the world, but I never planned on it. I remember one time in college, someone was like, oh, I'm interviewing my family friend for some report or something they had to do. And they run this business and they manage this much money or whatever, whatever. It's like, oh, that sounds like the most terrifying job in the world to be that responsible for people's money. Like that just seems so scary. And nothing about it was attractive to me. I don't think anything about the industry was unattractive. It just wasn't even on my radar. Mm -hmm. But I was studying finance. I was at Pepperdine studying finance, doing their business school program. Got a couple internships, one with Merrill Lynch and one with an independent firm here in the area. Mm Mm-hmm. And hated Merrill Lynch, that internship, nothing against the company. It's just more right. of a sales culture. And it just mm-hmm. honestly was not even fun going into the office versus the other firm I worked with, the independent firm. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's not just, you have this sense of financial advising is all about the money. And you realize that it's about using the money as a tool for something bigger than that. And mm-hmm. I think it clicked for me there where, oh, okay, this is, this is really cool. I like the money piece. I mm-hmm. like the problem solving and the critical thinking and the analysis, but I don't want to just sit behind a computer all day and crunch numbers. So it was there that I kind of saw that you can use this to help people with their goals of retiring or buying a home or sending kids to college or totally. really cool stuff like that. Yeah. So I think we're very uh, aligned there. I think we're aligned. And so I ended up working for that firm out of college for, including the time I was in college, six, six and a half years, I think six and a half years. Mm-hmm. Things didn't work out there and started my own four plus years ago. Yeah. And here we are. So this was never the goal, but it's the best thing that's, happened. So. I'm glad you started your own firm. I am too. That's um, why we have this podcast today. That's why we have this podcast. So yeah. for Lucas and people like Lucas who are like, how the heck do we get to a position yeah. in this industry? How do, you, how do you get into the career path? What are the options? Is it just kind of diving mm-hmm. in like we did maybe and finding your way along the way? Or are there yep. different paths you can take? Well, okay. So I think we should talk about this in a few ways. One is 
What are things you can be doing while you're in school to try to find the right fit for you? Because you might like the sales style culture of a broker dealer type firm, or you might decide you're more aligned like us where you're like, Hey, I want it to be way more about the relationship and I might want to have less of them. Mm -hmm. So that's just, it's not right or wrong. It's just the right fit for you. I hope we convey that clearly. We do what we think is right for us and Mm -hmm. what we think is right for our clients. But then maybe we could talk about the different types of roles people can start in and then maybe some resources that people can go look at to hopefully help themselves out. Yeah. To find the right place. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Where should we start? Let's start at maybe, let's make the assumption that maybe they want to be a financial planner. Sure. And what's a good career path for that? Do you just jump in and start telling people what to do with their money? Or what's kind of an entry level position to start learning what that looks like? Yep. So I think there's really, if you really want to get in it and start learning how to be a planner, I think there's two ways you can do it. One is you could become a paraplanner. Mm-hmm. And just to be for like, do you guys understand what a paraplanner does? A paraplanner's job is not really to be client facing and communicate the, you know, listen with the client and help to communicate with the client and help come up with their own goals and look at what to do. Paraplanner is really in the background helping make sure all the data is correctly in the systems, make sure the expectations are correct. Is everything working for kind of the planning techniques that are utilized? Right. Is there anything you'd want to add to that? No, it's the nuts and bolts of the actual numbers and the plan itself. Yeah. Not necessarily the communicating and talking to the client about it. Right. An associate advisor, at least that's one of the names we would hear. You'll hear junior advisor or some other things like that. That's someone who's probably sitting in a second chair kind of role with a lead advisor who's going to be in on meetings and they're going to be taking part in conversations. Their primary role may be taking notes, doing the follow-up, making, you know, if there is a paraplanner in the office, conveying to the paraplanner what needs to be done. If there's not a paraplanner in the office, they're probably taking on that role too. Mm -hmm. So they're getting a lot of experience in how to be an advisor from how do you communicate, how do you listen, and how do you apply techniques? Right. Yeah, exactly. I think you're exactly right. A lot of firms, unless they're really built out in the different roles that you can have the associate advisor and the pair planner are kind of one and the same mm-hmm. if you're doing both and what it's giving you is probably the best thing that it's getting you is just a chance to observe like i said before you have the sense of oh it's all about the money and having to be good financially about what retirement plan is best or what investment strategy is best or what type of an, that's kind of what you think it is until you realize that so much of it is really just about that how are you really getting an understanding of what's most important to the client how Mm -hmm. are you really understanding just their goals their values everything about that and learning to listen in a way that you're actually getting to the heart of what's important and so what i think these first two roles are preparing to do is really master the financial piece so you don't really have to be thinking about the finances you can just be thinking about the client and be thinking about what matters most to them i couldn't agree more i actually think it's very similar to like when you want to learn how to play an instrument Or, you know, like I play the guitar, right? Like I can learn how to play tablature. I can learn how to play scales. Mm -hmm. I can learn how to do all of these things. And I really have to think about it while I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But if you watch like a really good musician in a small room, they can play to the crowd Mm -hmm. and they can just go with the emotion of the crowd. Mm -hmm. And that's really what really good financial planning at its best is. It's You have the skills and the techniques to help someone align their money with their life, but your job when you're with your clients is mostly to pay attention to them and listen to them and help 
with understanding get around what should we be doing next with your money to help you live your best version of a life. I think that's a great analogy. Where So you and I are both hiring right now yeah. for, for this type of a role, like mm-hmm. with that process. And as I was kind of going through it and looking at job descriptions and they're saying, what is it that this person really needs to be able to learn in this role? There's a Picasso quote that says, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Yes. And to me, this associate advisor spot is kind of learn the rules like a pro. Yes. Learn the ins and outs. Learn the limits. Learn what works, what doesn't. It's kind of a rigid understanding of master this so that you can bend it and tweak it and break it like an artist. Okay, how do we actually fit this around an individual or a family's financial situation. 100%. The other way I view it is like you, when especially for Lucas, you're going to go learn all this stuff and you're going to come out of school and you're going to think like, it's almost like you feel like you have a cape on your back. Like you're going to go solve everyone's problems. But if you don't listen to people, you can't help solve their problems because they're actually going to solve their own problems. You're just going to guide them to the solution. So I think part of it is associate advisor me kind of comes in with the hero feeling. Mm -hmm. They feel like, and it's kind of is like, I need the perfect answer. And then Mm -hmm. you quickly realize there's no such thing as a perfect answer when you're working with a human being. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding them and what drives them. And then we utilize our answers, but only applied through the lens of what matters to them. Yeah, we did. I forget what episode it was. It might have been when we were doing our 100th episode or something. And we're talking about main lessons learned either through experience or through the podcast. And one of them we talked about real financial planning begins where the textbook answer ends, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, you start to distinguish that. There is a textbook answer for everything. You need to know it. You need to master your CFP curriculum. You need to master kind of understanding. But then after you do that associate advisor or that paraplanner role, really what it's preparing you for is to be that person yeah. who's able to have the financial side mastered so that the focus can really be on that personal side and understanding how do we specifically design something that works best for you, Mr. or Mrs. Client, whatever that looks like. Fully agree. One other position that exists, especially in smaller firms like ours, but in all firms that are registered investment advisor firms, at least would be what I will often see called a client service associate. Yep. Client service associate's job is largely to handle the, you could almost think of it as like the mid office or the back office work. So it's helping open accounts and make sure systems are running appropriately and helping with the scheduling. And you could almost think that sounds really boring and I don't want to do that. But I think my main role when I started at my second firm was when I, I mean, it, I had the title of an associate advisor, but when I look at what I was doing, it was largely client service work at the time. Yeah. That was my start. It was the best possible start. Mm-hmm. It's a very pressure-free way to just start to learn how things work. Yeah. Like you the, learn the reality what's, of what's how an IRA work. and what's a Roth IRA and like how does a required minimum distribution work and what is a 72T and how do I calculate one of those? And you start learning all of the ins and outs of the, the lingo of the business. And you have client time. You're coordinating with clients on whether it's even opening accounts mm-hmm. or doing rollovers or helping them with distribution needs. Or so you're you're getting that sense of high level how do things work and even details how do things work. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to build the ability to kind of build trust with clients to kind of understand what clients need things like that. So I started that way. It wasn't formally called that. We had no idea no. what it was called. It was just. It was myself and it was the firm owner. It's like, let's just figure this out. I was a wealth management associate, but, <laughs> I think, or something like you that. Had for a, sure. You had a better title. I just I don't even sure. know what my title would have been, but yeah. it is that role that I was doing. But the reason I bring it up is because when you look at where you want to go and how you want to set yourself up for success, just one, recognize that like, send yourself some grace and some patience to just go learn. And you don't have to jump in and be a lead advisor in a year. It's actually kind of 
I would think it's kind of impossible to go do. Mm -hmm. It's going to take time to learn the business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. But then understand what you're getting yourself into and why. And the reason I bring it up is like for me, like if you go to a firm that doesn't have a client service associate and they say you're going to be an associate advisor, you're probably not going to be an associate advisor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to take on all the client service work that the ad main advisor is doing right now. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. But just know what's coming your way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to Lucas's point, what we're talking about, this career trajectory on paper, it's very simple and clean and progressive. And in reality is you're doing a little it's bit of everything messy. and you're figuring it out and you're yeah. making changes. We talked about before, there's different types of firms you can go to. Yeah. And you have some big firms where there's a very clearly defined role of you will do this, you'll do it over and over and over and over and over again. You'll get really good at this. But yep. That's it. I have no doubt that like Vanguard's their offering for CFPs has to be a great training program, mm -hmm. right? But I also have no doubt that you're going to have a lot of clients. And what I mean by a lot is probably a couple hundred if you get fully up running and maxed out because that's Maybe just more, the way yeah. that model's probably going to work, right? We're like at our firm, we want our lead advisors to have probably like 80 clients because we want them to know them really in depth and do really in depth planning work. It's just a different model. Mm -hmm. It's not to say one's wrong. It's just different. Yeah. So I think one of the things is when you go start to look for where you want to go, realize that if you go to a small firm, you might have to be more nimble. You might have to do more things or think of it as like wearing more hats. You might be a client service associate, a paraplanner, and an associate advisor all rolled into one. Or if you go to a big firm, you might be able to just have one thing you're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. And there's no right answer. Mm -hmm. You have to find the answer that's right for you. Yeah, you do. And I, I would also tell people not to get discouraged because if you search financial advisor jobs, probably the first thing that's going to come up is the Merrill Lynch's, the Northwestern Mutual's, the Fidel. It, yeah, it's sales a financial advisor rules. role. It's just a sales role. Yeah, You're going to go in and you're going to start hitting the phone. You're going to start doing stuff. Best case scenario, you're going to have warm leads like a Vanguard might. And you start taking those leads on as clients, but you're going to start a different role and grow up to that. Mm-hmm. And I think of that and I say, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing, those roles. But if I think about that versus I'm getting into the industry working with Scott and Scott's firm, I'm going to learn way more working with Scott and shadowing him and understanding how things are done. The challenges on the outside is these firms, I'm just, I'm going to pick on Merrill Lynch for a second. Yeah. Just use them as a proxy for all these firms. They have like firms. a huge training program. They have a huge training program. And so you have departments that are dedicated to finding new people who can just train people on sales. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be a job opening always versus Scott. Scott's growing a business. He's doing his financial planning. He's meeting with clients. He's So there's just not the same capacity to be able to totally. be out there saying, hey, we have these positions opening with this clearly defined role. I think you and I both experienced that. So, I think the other thing I would add to that is like the more traditional sales roles, they are literally designed. I might get right, be wrong on the numbers, but it's literally like bring in 10 people with their understanding ahead of time that two of you will make it. Oh yeah. Right? Like they already know that eight of you aren't, aren't going to make it. Yep. Because it's a sales role mm -hmm. where like our firms, like I just made a hire and my goal is for that person to be with us for the rest of their lives mm -hmm. if they want to be. Mm -hmm. Totally different mentality. Yeah. And this person, any person is going to learn probably a lot more about actually being a financial planner in that role than in a sales role at another firm. Yeah. So I have to be careful not to sound like it's one's, I clearly think one's better than the other. Well, if you love say, but if you love sales and you love chatting with people and you don't want to go in depth on planning and know everything, like be tracking the net worth by line item for a family, 
our firms are not the right fit. There's an awesome alternative and it's more of a sales oriented role through the larger organizations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's say someone's listening to this and say, okay, that's awesome. Where do I start? Like, is, is yeah. there, are there job boards? Are there places to look? Yeah, the answer is yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if I was looking to go start finding a job, and to Lucas's point, he kind of says, wow, he's in school. If I was in school and I could do it over again, so like actually being a bartender served me well because it taught me how to talk to people, but if I had the ability to do this, I would probably go to like Simply Paraplanner, which is a website, and you can go through like their Paraplanner Academy and you can learn how to use eMoney and Money Guide Pro and all these things. And they'll give you the abilities to go learn how to use them so that you're trained to a level where you could be doing part-time work for firms while you're still in school. Mm-hmm. I mean, what better way to go get experience than actually get paid to go get experience? Yeah, I fully agree. And the good news is there's kind of a talent shortage in this industry. Mm-hmm. There's, I think, more firms looking than there are people available. Yeah. So if you want to get into this industry, this is probably a great time to do it. There's going to be an opportunity somewhere. You might have to search for some time for it to be the right opportunity, but there's going to be the opportunity somewhere. Absolutely. While I was in school, I would make sure if I'm at a school that can let me work towards getting the CFP credential, I want to take all that coursework. Yeah. So that when I roll out of school, I can ideally have already taken past the exam, the CFP exam, so that I am a... On my resume, it's basically like, hey, I'm ready for the experience. Mm-hmm. Now, if I've been doing the paraplanner work along the way, I probably already have some hours booked mm-hmm. on getting my experience to get right. the credentials. So just for those of you who are listening and don't know anything about our business, the CFP credentials, the closest thing there is to a gold standard for having a decent amount of knowledge. And I'm not going to say it's a, a perfect amount, because, it, but it's kind of, to me, it's the de minimis for like you understand financial planning. Yeah. You at least know what to look out for. Right. And know where you need to go deeper. And you have to take six undergrad courses plus a capstone course, which is like a big financial plan, essentially. And then you have to pass an exam thereafter. And then once you've done that, you have to have either two years of experience under the guise of essentially an apprenticeship, or you have to have three years of experience outside of that. Got it. Yeah, the CFP is great. And you're going to learn good information, but it's not going to come close to what you learn just working with a firm. No, because it's the technical, but you haven't applied it, right? So you're going to, you get to go, you actually get to apply it when you work with the firm. And then new planner recruiting is a place I would go look, especially if I was searching for a job as a younger planner, because it's where they literally go help place planners all over the country all the time. Yep. Yeah. So I'm working with both these right now, Simply Pair Planner to help find a kind of an operations director and then new planner recruiting to find that associate advisor that we were just talking about. So two great firms and they do a lot of placing with firms. They help you get connected to the right firm. So if you go to them and say, I want a job in this industry, they're going to help connect you with the right place. They're not going to go stick you somewhere that you don't, maybe a sales role that you don't want to be in or something like that. But yeah, I think those are awesome places to start, not just for actually getting placed, but tons of education and helping you understand what that process looks like, what you can do to best be prepared for it, things like that. Absolutely. From there... You can also check out, there's what we call the Financial Planners Association, FPA. FPA has an externship program. It's literally fpaexternship.org where you can go and do externships, not internships, with firms to learn, kind of learn more about what's it like to work there and how's that work and all those things. You can also check with the local FPA chapters or the local 
There's NAPFA, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. They have local chapters. You can reach out to them and see like, hey, is there anyone, any firms that you know of who are looking for internships? Mm -hmm. You kind of have to take it on yourself to go do this groundwork when most of the firms are smaller and they don't have big recruiting schemes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you were talking about a lot of advisors wanting to give back are now just opening up office hours and saying, hey, yeah, I, I know a few that are opening up. They'll call them, ask me anything's at least once a month. Like I know Danica Waddell, she has a, through Zena, I think is her firm. Zena's X E N A financial. She's out of the Northwest. She'll do like once a month, just, Hey, show up, jump into my Calendly and we're going to have max four to six people. And we can just chat about anything about being a financial planner. So you can start to chat with people who've been through this process and get a better sense of what you should do. Yeah. There's a Facebook group under XYPN radio VIP group too. People can hop in. You're just getting people talking and you hear, you just observe conversations. You can ask questions, but I think that's another good place too. If you want to go see what types of things financial planners are talking about and planning for and asking each other, that's a good place to understand how the business works too. And then the only thing I would add to this is there are different career paths and roles. Mm -hmm. Now, Lucas specifically mentioned the career path of a financial planner, yeah, which typically goes associate advisor and or pair planner, moved up to lead advisor, which is kind of a more forward-facing thing, and then potentially senior advisor where you're leading relationships, but also training other advisors to do the same. Mm -hmm. If you want to do more of the operational side, which is a very important role and, and direct the operations and the workflow very. and the project management and making sure that everything's taken care of. There's career paths for that. If you like specifically the investment side and want to do kind of chief investment officer roles, you could get in as a trader and move up to the portfolio specialist and, and kind of move up that way. If you just love the financial planning and you nerd out on that stuff, but don't necessarily love the client interaction part or meeting with clients, you could be the dedicated director of financial planning for mm -hmm. a firm. So Absolutely. there are other career paths and thankfully they're becoming more and more like career paths and not just to make it up as you go. Maybe it used to be a little bit ago. It just seems like they're becoming a little bit more defined for a lot of firms. Yeah, a little is, bit more. There's bigger firms now that, you know, the registered investment advisor side of the business really was in its infancy in the nineties mm -hmm. and it's just grown up over the last, you know, 30 years. Yeah. And it's just going to keep growing from here. Yeah. So all that to say, if you're listening to this, like, oh, this sounds great. I just don't see myself in that main, that lead financial advisor role. Great. There's ways to be part of something really cool without actually being that person. Yeah. If you love compliance, you're going to have a job for the rest of your wow. life. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I have nothing to offer on that side, but yes, you are. <laughs> Someone wants to be a chief compliance Someone officer does. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else you'd add? No. I think that's pretty good for the resources. I hope this is helpful, Lucas. I hope so. Other than that, great time, I'd say, to be looking. Yeah. Great industry. I like it. I, me too. I, I mean, you like it. What I do really love about our job, and it's what you alluded to earlier, is that at the end of the day, we have to have good technical knowledge and understanding. But it's not about us just showing up with the technical answer. It's about helping understand the client and helping them understand it what they want, and then helping them see their own solution. Mm -hmm. And when you get to do that, you get to help people make changes in their lives that are just, it makes it very rewarding to come to work. Yeah, totally agree. Well, yeah. I think that is good. Lucas, thank you for your question. We'll see you all next time. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.